What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of All Out War. I am Turner, and I am in the studio with my brother, Rosie. What's up, Rosie? Hey, what's up? <laughs> you sound good on the mic tonight, man. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, man, uh, it's uh, it's finally winter. I'm so happy. And we are at episode 117. Can you mm. believe that? I can't. 117. We just keep churning them out, man. Even with a two-month break. Yeah. It still just keep every... And then like a month... Between the last one and this one, right? Yeah, it was. It's been a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited about a, our couple coming down the pike that yeah. we have. We have some good ones coming up, and uh, this episode's great, by yeah. the way. But uh, so, what do you know, man? Hey, uh, I got two. Because okay, I'm just gonna because I feel like an obligation. <laughs> for whatever reason, people seem to like these. We love them. Yeah, so uh, I'll give you a couple. You know, because in lieu of not, you know, like if there's more time in between episodes, I'll give you a couple to. Yeah. You know, you can tell one a week to someone else or something. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so did you know uh, elephants can hear through their feet? No, I did not know that. Yeah, it says they they have uh, special fat pads called digital cushions. <laughs> they can hear sounds other elephants vocalize below the range of human hearing wow. from many miles away. It says this helps warn them of far-off danger, incoming floods. Incoming floods. And rival elephants, yep. That's cool, man. Incoming floods. So they must have had them way back when the Ark days were going. Yeah. So they were probably the first ones to go like, oh, crap, we got to get over there. <laughs> Where's the Ark? Where's, Where's the, the Ark? Where's yeah. that Noah, dude? Yeah. And all the other elephants know that they weren't coming. And they're like, dude, we heard there's only going to be two of us. <laughs> right. So like the one, he's telling his wife, he's like, what is an elephant? <laughs> I don't know what an elephant sounds like. He's like whispering sweet nothings through their feet. Or no, he... Uh, he's telling her, he's like, don't tell anybody else because they can hear us right. for miles. And we're trying to get on, did trying you, to get in this. Did, uh, did you ever hear, uh, you ever heard of Brian Regan? He's a yeah. comedian. Yeah. Did you ever hear his thing on the whales? No. When you did that, feel like... he was like, this guy was like a whale researcher. Yeah. And uh, he was like, had the microphone in the water. And he was like, and he's like, oh, what are they saying? What are they saying? And he realized it was the door to the ship, like, <laughs> back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> it's better from the comedian than... From, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, like, my thing. I can't. I can't. I always try to retell jokes, and then I'm like, yeah, you should probably just watch. I just butchered it. <laughs> I'm horrible. I'm yeah. horrible, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's much better than uh, how I just said it. <laughs> right. Um uh, but here, I'll give you another one. Uh, did you know that there is a Nigerian scam, uh, <laughs> Nigerian <it>. scammer <laughs> who sold a $242 million imaginary airport to a bank? <laughs> that dude's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he sold, so listen to this. Uh, Emmanuel Nawudi, N-W-U-D-E. Okay. So I don't know how to pronounce that. Nawudi. Woody. I don't know. Uh, was the mastermind behind the scam, had previously worked as a director of the Union Bank of Nigeria. His banking background gave him access to the knowledge, documentation, and links that made him more believable when it came to executing a scam. But, uh, let's see. So he impersonated Paul Ogwuma, who was at the time the governor of the Central Bank of Nigeria, and he connected with this guy named Nelson Sakaguchi. Nice. Who was the then director of the Brazilian bank, Banco something. 
He pitched the idea of getting the Brazilian bank involved in developing the Nigerian economy by investing in the building of a new airport in Nigeria's capital, Abuja. <laughs> Emmanuel sweetened the deal for Nelson by informing him that should the deal be successful, he would be in line to pocket $10 million as commission. A promise of a hefty payout was enough to intrigue Nelson, and he fell for the scam. Before Between 1995 and 1998, he paid the fraudsters... He had some other help. Wow, it took him that long. Yeah, through th- three years, he paid him $191 million in cash. Wow, in and cash. Their, and the remaining $51 million in the form of outstanding interest from Banco Noro Tessi or whatever. Wow. But, uh, yeah. What a so, scam. And then, and then it falls apart, but they got the money. They, they got the money. But yeah. they, did they get caught? Like, they actually got Yeah, so it says Emmanuel and his crew almost got away with it fully, but they got the money in cash, so. Dude, for three years, he probably lived like a king. <laughs> in Nigeria? Yeah, yeah, right? See, this is like, this is something, um, I was going to try to think of a cool way to turn it uh, tied into the episode, but uh, it would just be not, yeah. not very good. Um, but uh, that was the biggest thing. Like, nowadays, we look back on the Nigerian scammers. And you're like, how do they, like, who would fall for this? Right. Who would actually believe this? And they're like, and it's publicized online. The newspaper, right. you know, the newspapers, the, the news was telling, hey, don't oh. fall for the Nigerian prince. It's not a real prince. He's going to take your money. Right. And you're like, so it's advertised. People are aware of it. It's common knowledge. People are yeah. telling each other. Yeah. Why do they keep doing it for like 20 years? Because it, it still works. Right. Yeah. And uh, that must be the same mentality of like those people that keep calling my cell phone about my, you know, my extended car warranty yeah. that's about to expire. Or they do, I mean, they've changed that now. <laughs> they have ones where they're like, uh, oh, your son's in jail and oh, right. uh, you have to pay $1,000 to get him out of jail right now, but we can only take money order. So you have to go down or the IRS or, you know. Or you got to go to, yeah, they think they're the IRS. Yeah, yeah. like you owe back taxes. We're going to arrest you or whatever. And it's always elderly when they do that. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, this is the whole thing is you got to think about it is if you, if it doesn't take any money, right? Like to set up these things. Right, right. It's time. It just takes ingenuity. So, I mean, well, that's the thing. Yeah, an email. How long does it take to send an email? Right. It doesn't cost it. He's written up the thing. And you just, if you just shotgun, if you spend 8, 10, 12 hours a day, literally just resending the same email to hundreds of thousands of addresses, all you need is one is one person a month to give you $10,000. One a month. One one time, ten thousand dollars in Z- in Zimbabwe or wherever it would be. Yeah, Nigeria. Yeah, Nigeria. That's what I'm be. saying. So you got to think about the profit to how how effort. Right, it, right. There's no effort, so that's why they keep doing it, and they keep they change them now and get uh, better. But um, anyway, so here's how it fell away, uh, fell apart. Oh, okay. Emmanuel and his crew almost got away with the scam, but things started to unravel when Banco Santander. A Spanish bank oh, wanted, yeah. wanted to take over the Brazilian bank in August 1997. The takeover meant that the thorough investigations of the Brazilian bank's financial statements was conducted. Oh, wow. During this period, many board meetings between the two banks took place. And in December 1997, top officials from the Spanish bank questioned why almost half of this is crazy. Why half of the Brazilian bank's capital was sitting in an unprotected account in the Cayman Islands. 
Wow. As wow. a discrepancy cannot be sufficiently explained as there was no new airport in Abuja. <laughs> Formal investigations were initiated. They found it out, blah, blah, blah. You would think that they would go and look at the airport, send someone down. Send one person down? Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> Well, this this reminded me, uh, I don't remember if you guys remember the one, I don't know when I said it, everything's been falling together. Uh, <laughs> the scammer who sold the... Uh, the Eiffel Tower twice. Yeah, yeah, that was great. That was great. <laughs> so yeah. apparently back in the day, people fell for it. Yeah, man. Dude, your beard's looking good. Thanks. It's getting longer. You know. I'm going for uh, two years. I did. You're going to go two years? Really? I did a year last year. Okay, I remember that. And yeah. you never cut it. Never. I don't. I never. You never shaped it, touch it, anything. Okay. And you're, so you're. When's it become the second year? When do you reach that threshold? I'm at like uh, six months now. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you still got a year and a half or so. Yeah. It's long. It's gonna be long, dude. It's probably when when it was a year, it was like down to here. Yeah. Uh, which is people can't see chest, uh, nipple, nipple, right above nipples. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it was it was like big. Yeah. Right now. So this one, I don't know. Dude, see, I've I've wanted to grow mine long like our buddy joel from trichome yeah yeah he's got oh a, yeah yeah he's got a long beard i love it and yeah. i you know i love their products too by the way yes like i use their beard oil and i don't really ha have a need for once but once it so i use the beard balm until it gets to a certain length and then after it gets to a certain length the beard balm doesn't it's not it's it doesn't function as well yeah because there's just so much hair it's like um it's like, uh, so then I use the beard oil and I just yeah. kind of let it go. But, um, yeah, I've been thinking about, uh, growing my beard out longer. It's, it's been at this length for a while, but I kind of have to keep it yeah. for work purposes at, at a little bit more respectable. Yeah. I, I mean, can go longer, but. Yeah. You have to deal with clients. I <laughs> don't. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But see, here's the, I was just talking with uh, someone today, uh, yeah, I started a new job like five months ago. I don't know. I, I don't know if I ever said. I don't talk about work, but started a new job with a totally different industry, totally different from what I was doing before. And uh, it's much more respectable. But I've been, uh, God willing, like I've been doing good at it. And I think I'm now at a point where like people. You got the grace of. Yeah. He's needed more than we care what he looks like. Yeah. <laughs> basically yeah so it's like that must be nice I, yeah <laughs> so i think i can just get away with it i hope so i, I better keep uh, <laughs> doing good but yeah. yeah that's good so well I, w I would highly recommend uh any of our bearded listeners yes. check out trichome and i was gonna say stuff. i use their soap yeah. i've gone super crunchy over the last like 18 <laughs> months i don't use shampoo anymore i make my uh i make my own beard shampoo oh do you really so because they don't have Tricom doesn't have beard shampoo beard, yet. Beard shampoo. Yet, yet, yeah. Hey, maybe we should talk, uh, Joel. Maybe we need like a, a warrior's blend of like uh, beard shampoo, uh, what beard I, balm, and stuff. Oil. I make is nice. I like it. Yeah, maybe I'll, you give you, I'll, I'll, I'll give you some. Give me some. Yeah. Um, is it all natural? Like like yeah. the, the, the Tricom stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's got to be I, high quality because yeah, I know if it's gonna fit into their you know product yeah. list is. But yeah, I use their bar. So, and just so you know, like we're not, we don't get paid. There's yeah, nothing. We just, no. they're, they're just, we friends. love them and they're good products. Yeah. I, I use their soap. 
and uh, they're I use their deodorant too. I don't use stick deodorant anymore. So I like their soap. I love their soap. Um, I haven't tried their deodorant yet. Is is it uh, all natural? Like what is it? Yeah, it comes in a jar and you like rub it in your. Oh, in a jar. Yeah. Oh, good. cool. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to check We're that doing, out. I feel really bad. We're giving up a commercial for this, but <laughs> I don't like, care. I like no, it. I, I like it too. Yeah. But uh, we didn't even give Kahi Coffee this much, and we were no, they yeah. were like uh, actual sponsors for yeah. us. Yeah. Anyways, but yeah, it's funny too. Uh, Joel told me I was texting him the other morning. I sent him a little video. I, I was working. I was about four miles outside of DC, and these two bucks. Like it was early morning. These two bucks walked across the street from, in the neighborhood I was in, and um, I was we're so close to DC, less than four miles. Yeah. And uh, and I sent him a video of it, and he's he's like, "Get a bow." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he told me to get a bow. I can't imagine killing a deer in a in a neighborhood where I'm where I'm working. Uh, the people would freak out. They they would freak out. It wouldn't go well. So what? So what? This is America. <laughs> Who's got the bow? Yeah. <laughs> you gonna? Hey, Karen, you gonna keep complaining? Yeah, exactly. I, I, as I'm cleaning the deer in the middle of the street. <laughs> yeah, the bed of your <laughs> the truck. Guts. I just hang it off my bench. Yeah. My, my rack of my bench. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Well, all right. Hey, let's get into this podcast episode. We have a great episode. It's gonna be really cool. So, as I always say, sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. All right, everybody, thank you for listening to All Out War. We have a wonderful guest on the podcast tonight, and I'm just super excited to have our friend on. His name is Samuel Curette, and uh, he is he has started something called Zero Trafficking. And uh, basically what Zero Trafficking is, is that they... Um, they will basically uh, fight human trafficking networks with digital intelligence, proactively uh, detecting and tracking sophisticated criminal organizations who exploit victims for profit through force fraud and coercion, uh, amongst other things. But I want to welcome onto the podcast, Samuel. Samuel, thank you for joining us. Uh, we're so glad that you're with us, man. Thank you so much for having me on the program. Yeah. So let's do this. Let's Let's go back in time a little bit. Uh, let's let's go back and tell me a little bit about how you ended up where you are today, and then we can go into a little bit about what you're doing with zero trafficking and and uh, some of the aspects of that. Yeah, well, uh, taking it back, uh, my best friend from high school. We were in the garage band together. He was the lead singer, lead guitarist. I was the bass player. Uh, he kept going with the band when we split off um, and I went to college and he ended up touring Europe and just having some successful musical projects and got a flyer on human trafficking in one of his European stops. And he didn't know anything about human trafficking. He'd heard about water security and, and food security and all these other things. And he really just, couldn't believe that this was a modern problem around the world and, and in the United States. So he started raising awareness uh, with the band 
and um, ended up doing a documentary or, or filming part of the documentary in India about um, just the children in the brothels over there. Mm. And he saw a young girl uh, being sold, and it was law enforcement that was actually negotiating the price. And mm. it, it had a huge, huge impact on him. And so he came back to Florida, started a nonprofit organization called Redeem the Shadows. And uh, during this time, I was wrapping up school and joining the Marine Corps. Uh, went to OCS in 2008. And uh, the, the Marine Corps doesn't give officers jobs when they sign up. You get, go through a process called the, the quality spread. And your job choices end up going through a lottery. And so when I joined the Marine Corps, I was kind of planning on doing combat arms and seeing kind of what happened through that process. And the bingo balls tumbled around and I got uh, intelligence <laughs> and, and, and went to Cherry Point and, and got into air intelligence and deployed to Afghanistan in 2011. So... I go out there and uh, had, a, had a pretty interesting experience. Uh, that was the year that uh, bin Laden got taken out. Uh, mm-hmm. I was in Afghanistan. It wasn't, didn't have anything to do with me. Uh, <laughs> didn't, didn't make any movies about anything that I did. Um, but I did get to joke with my family about that. I'm like, I can't say anything, but he's dead now. Um, but uh, I come back, and I'm, I'm leaving active duty and, and going to law school on the GI Bill. And Noel calls me up and says, Hey, I'm, I'm going to Tallahassee um, because governor Rick Scott wants me to be the counter human trafficking coordinator for the state of Florida. <laughs> and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, wow, this is, this is crazy. This is awesome. You know? And we had talked about what if we one day create an organization where we go after these traffickers and get operational, you know, mm-hmm. just actually identify and, and take them down. Wouldn't an organization benefit from somebody that had a military background kind of being a part of that? You know, this was just kind of a pipe dream, two, two good friends talking. And so when Noel gets this job for Governor Rick Scott, he finds out about Backpage, and I've never heard about Backpage. So he mm-hmm. calls me up and says, there's this site on the internet called Backpage, and it's like Craigslist, but you can buy sex. Wow. And uh, I, I said, that's, that's just not true. That's not possible. That must be dark web. That must be like this Silk Road stuff that everybody's talking about. Otherwise, law enforcement would be all over it. And he said, no, they're not. This is what's going on. And this was in 2013. And so um, he found out at that time that law enforcement was primarily dealing with this issue by manually browsing Backpage and uh, just clicking on an ad and saying, oh, well, something looks not right here. I mean, it looks not right across the side, of course. Uh, But picking an individual ad and then trying to set up a meet and see if they can get the girl out. Um, and that was, that's, that's a hope-based strategy, right? It, it was it was very, very uh, frustrating and, and limited scope of success with the way they were doing it. So 
we got together with a developer and built a scraping tool, web scraping tool to kind of grab these ads and then allow us to do some analysis with them. And the good thing is that across the trafficking movement, it's about four companies that did that. It was, it was a really, really good uh, time for kind of moving forward in the counter trafficking movement. And so a bunch of different scrapers came out and law enforcement started using those to go after these trafficking organizations. Uh, through some some twists and turns, um, I ended up actually making it out of law school, uh, which I didn't think was going to happen. And uh, we had hoped we were going to start a pilot, a pilot program in Florida. Noel left the, the governor's uh, office and, and started the predecessor company, the Zero Trafficking. And uh, I started an internship program with uh, Patrick Henry College and Regent University to basically build an analytical team to kind of identify uh, intelligence on these trafficking organizations and, and ultimately provide that to law enforcement. So one of the things we found during that time was that if you didn't have really, really persuasive proof that a, uh, a woman in an article was actually a minor under the age of 18, it was hard to get law enforcement involved. Hmm. And we didn't really understand that at the time. I understand that a little bit better now. It's, it's because law enforcement doesn't know that that victim, you know, hopefully survivor, is going to cooperate with them when they link up with her. And there's a lot of reasons for that lack of cooperation that I'll get into later on. But if it is a minor individual, then cooperation is not really a factor. It's going to be prima facie trafficking and they can, they can move forward from there. So we, we dealt with a lot of frustration in identifying what we were very certain was trafficking and not being able to get law enforcement to move on it. And then we, we pivoted, uh, as a company and this is, this is all still a nights and weekends project at this point. We're now in 20, 2015. Um, I'm working at a corporate law real estate, uh, company. Noel is working, uh, as a, as a sales executive for some other companies. And, you know, we're trying to get, uh, both funds to kind of continue this work. And we're also trying to just sharpen our intelligence product. And we realize, you know, some of these organizations are actually human trafficking networks. It's not just one pimp and, and one individual. It's actually larger than that. Mm. And getting into the minds of the traffickers and realizing that, you know, traffickers know how to prevent their victims from cooperating with law enforcement, then they're going to be safe. They're going to be safe because uh, as long as they're not marketing, obviously young kids, and as long as they can prevent that cooperation, law enforcement's hands are a little bit tied. And so that was, that was a big moment for us realizing that the next thing, the next big realization is I got a, I got a call at my corporate law job. 
uh, from the Marine Corps. I joined the Marine Corps Reserve after getting off active duty. And they they said, hey, remember that deployment you volunteered for? And I didn't know what they were talking about. He was, he was kind of trying to lighten the blow, saying, hey, you got to go. I was thrilled to get this opportunity. And we actually, we got the opportunity to test our counter-human trafficking intelligence outside the United States, which was really cool because for the last 20 years or so, a lot of academics and military researchers have said that human trafficking connects to criminal drug activity, connects to gang activity, connects to uh, terrorism activity, connects to money laundering activity. Which this is all something that uh, is, they publish articles about it, academic research is done on it. But you never hear about a counter drug task force saying, hey, where's my human trafficking intelligence yeah. that can mm-hmm. give me insight to this drug target? because they're all connected. So that's that's the first thing is that they're all connected. The second thing is that human trafficking is distinct from all of those other criminal enterprises because they have to do customer outreach. Hmm. They have to advertise and say, hey, this is my phone number, this is my email address. And if you if you know anything about digital investigations and, and research and things online, you can do a tremendous amount with a phone number and an email address. Yeah. And if you can identify criminal networks that are tied to sex trafficking, that could be the open door into, you know, the city block of, of criminal enterprise activity that you're trying to get into through the other windows and doors that are barricaded. So we actually got the opportunity to test that in Central America and, uh, that test got me sent to the DIA and then the DIA uh, got me uh, some funding after the DIA orders. The fact that I had gone there got me some funding with some folks that we had talked to and we, we started this thing full time. And since that time, zero trafficking has uncovered almost 200 criminal enterprises, mostly here in the United States. And uh, we've, we've built a training program to teach law enforcement that just because a victim won't cooperate with you, you're not done. Mm-hmm. You can actually pull the, the tools that we use to fight organized crime off the shelf and use them against human trafficking because it is organized crime. And uh, it's, it's been exciting. That's, that's kind, of, kind of where we are today. Man, so... <laughs> That's a lot there. I am, and I'm trying to unpack it. What are what are some of the the numbers? Like you said, you have uncovered over 200, you know, criminal organizations. What are what what kind of impact? I mean, obviously it varies, but like uh, from a from a large scale to a small scale, what what's the type of impact that you have when you uncover that and you bust that ring up? Well, um, you know, it's almost 200 networks detected it's not 200 networks taken out sadly uh and you know just just to show you the kind of the scale of the problem that we would discover those networks because we would look for a jurisdiction let's say a sheriff's office or um a federal a dhs office or an fbi office and say get somebody to talk to us and then say hey what what would you think if we brought you a network in your jurisdiction you know, and they would always say, 
you know, ab- absolutely, it's our job to look into that. We'll absolutely look at what what you bring. And so then we would go to work after that conversation, and we'd find a network, and then we'd bring it to them and brief them. Okay. And that's how we discovered um, that most of the prosecutions in the U.S. are set up around this concept of no cooperative victim or no underage victim, no case. Yeah, so I have a question about that because that's a big deal to me. But it seems like even if you're an adult, you know, if you're over the age of 18 in America and you're being trafficked, it still is illegal. So it, does that mean that if that, per, if that person is not willing to cooperate with law enforcement, that's the big roadblock in that? Is that what you're basically saying? That's well. That's that's right. It comes back to the statute. Uh, the statute talks about force, fraud, or coercion. And you think about how you would prove force, fraud, or coercion in in court at trial. You need somebody that can testify that's going to say I was forced, or I was defrauded, or I was coerced. Yeah. This trafficking activity. And so, kind of in the language of the statute, you have to have that if you're going on force, fraud, or coercion charges. Now, there's another way around that, and that way is if you identify a human trafficking criminal organization and go after them from a racketeering charge, from a RICO case, mm-hmm. <laughs> then you say, then you paint the picture of this criminal enterprise, you uh, find out where they're doing their banking, and you attack the money laundering side of the case. And then any cooperation from the victim is kind of icing on the cake the pillar of the case doesn't rest on that victim's cooperation. Yeah. And that's, that's a harder case to run, but it also gives you a tremendous number of different avenues of attack instead of she was cooperating with me. Now she doesn't want to, or feel like she can't. And the case is falling apart. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess when you start getting at money, people get, uh, they get really protective or they are willing to help, you know? That's right. Yeah. It's, it's an Achilles heel because if you take product, they, they, they could care less. Right. Yeah. And I was going to say, is there, um, I'm always used to <laughs> speaking too far away. Yeah. Um, and I guess my, my head was just thinking like when you were saying, or, you know, if there the, there's two different avenues of attack, has there, like you you were saying that you guys were kind of uh, I don't want to put words into your mouth, but when you were realizing that like um, going after like a, a terrorist cell, you know, um, they need to get funding, and and so you know they're going through the same sorts of. Uh, I mean, funding is just big. Funding is the linchpin of drug cartels or terrorist organizations or other black market arms or anything like that. It's all about the the money side of it. But uh, what you you had mentioned about using, you know, the same kind of intelligence uh, tools, techniques um, in the whole... uh, Like I, I, I don't quite know how to say it. Like basically, um, if a terrorist cell, the way the way I'm thinking of it is like if a terrorist cell is selling, uh, you know, I don't know uh, something that's around here, uh, 
you know, marijuana or pot or uh, marijuana is pot. Uh, <laughs> I don't mean to sound like a, a, a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> Meth. You know, any kind of drug yeah. or they're selling used cars or, you know, they have like a front business like that or they're trafficking women, you know, they're as a means to get the money into funding. Is there any avenues that um, they can go after a criminal syndicate um bypass you know because it's so hard to go after the sex trafficking aspect of it is there any way that they can go after the drug dealing or the terrorist charges to ultimately get to the sex trafficking so you know i, I guess i'm thinking of of it in um yes okay do you understand i, I feel like my question is way too convoluted i can't uh <laughs> like if you can go if you're trying to stop a terrorist cell and you go after them for selling drugs, which there you can wrap up everything else. And it's a lot easier to prove that, you know, if we can get them off the streets for this. So if they're going after a sex trafficking gang, you can use like terrorist charges or other things. Can you kind of reverse go back in or is that been successful or? So uh, we, we haven't had any direct success with that. Um, but that is, that's something that law enforcement has done. And it makes a lot of sense, right? Because we hear all the time from our law enforcement partners how uh, a gang case or a drug case will run into human trafficking. Right. And what we kind of advocate is to kind of reverse the flow. And the reason we, we say go for, go for the human trafficking side first is because that's the criminal enterprise where the criminals are allowed and saying, here are the phone numbers, here yeah. are the email addresses yeah. associated with our network. And then once you do that network identification and you're tracking them, the charges are hard. The identification is easy on the human trafficking side, but the charges are hard without yeah. that victim yeah. cooperation. The identification is hard on the drug side and on the terrorism side, but the charges are easy. Right. So if you combine those two, you, you go after network identification through the sex trafficking and then go to drug charges or, you know, something, uh, you know, terrorism or money laundering charges or, you know, racketeering charges. Those can be the charges, uh, which, which may be easier than, you know, trying to prove force, fraud or coercion without a cooperative uh, witness. Now you're, you're exactly right. Um, that, that is a, a template that, that I think will work. Because if you if you possess the contraband and you're you're selling it, that's really really easy to prove. Yeah. Where's the so you mentioned Backpage when you uh, were starting off here, and am I wrong? And did that that was completely shut down, right? Or is it still active? That's right, April 2018. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so that was that was actually kind of a uh, an, an oh no type moment for us because right. all of our collection activity was on Backpage. Right. And when they shut that down, um, that was right when we were getting ready to deploy. And Backpage, it was an American company. Yeah. But that was hosting traffic for the entire world. Yeah. Like if you wanted to find out who is trafficking people in the Philippines, you went on the Philippines section of Backpage.com. It was absolutely insane. Um, hmm. So uh, we had to find out where the traffic had, had navigated to and if it would it had gone in a format that we could use our existing tool to capture it. Mm -hmm. And what we found is it has been, it was bouncing around to all these other sites. Um, and 
sites were popping up and trying to get their piece of the back page market. And, and to some extent, that's still happening today. And so you've got regional differences where a site, you know, a site might be active in the United States and the Virginia section is almost empty. But the Arizona section of that same site is just jammed with advertisements. Uh, so, so it is, it is regionally different. And, uh, another site, which used to be a junk site in 2018, City X Guide mm-hmm. was actually seized in, I think in June or July of, of 2020. So what do you, like, I know I've, <laughs> this is like a strange question, but a few years, I guess about a year and a half ago, there was this Wayfair website, remember the furniture <laughs> website? And they were like, you know, I don't know, like, I know this sounds silly, but is that even a possibility that they would be able to somehow gain access into that site and use it even without even their knowledge? I don't think so. Um, You know, I I don't know that I would call my opinion a professional opinion, (laughs) but um, this traffickers are going to go where the customers are. Yeah, and where the customers can reliably uh, find them, and there's there's a trust gap already. If you're mm-hmm. a commercial sex buyer and you, you're going into this transaction, it's relatively risky. You're going to go in ways that are well trodden, very very common to the industry, and uh, there actually are forum review boards talking about this, where people can, you know give reviews of the experience they had yeah. and, and say, this person is not a scam or this person robbed me, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, it, it does when, when trafficking awareness is successful, when the public kind of hear about it more, then you start getting these kind of sensational, uh, type stories that kind of pop out where you're saying, Oh, well, they're, they're openly selling, you know, young young children on a reputable site that does something else. Yeah, um, and it's 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 more of on one hand it's it's a negative distraction. On the other hand, it's it's kind of a positive because people are hearing that this actually is an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, educating yourself is, is is a good way to kind of move forward in that. So where does it? Where what are they? Uh, sorry, Rosie, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Well. I- no, I was just going to say kind of like in the same vein, um, which is, I guess, a sad thing at the same time, but also like this just popped into my head is what you were saying about, uh, well, even just like Backpage, uh, I mean, just growing up on the internet, I've heard about it. I've never been to it, but, you know, I saw like a documentary, I think Netflix had one, I think, when they were just talking about like how it, sh- prior to it getting shut down about, uh, Basically, yeah, here's a Craigslist and Craigslist, uh, from my understanding, I don't know if it's as prevalent, but they had, uh, I remember reading a couple of years ago, their casual encounters, I think it was what it was called, that they shut down yeah. this thing. And I don't know if, you know, just, again, growing up, <laughs> just speaking from yeah. knowledge, uh, not intimate, personal knowledge, I've never done that. I just want to be <laughs> shit clear here. Um, I don't think you have to worry about us worrying. Okay, good, from, good. Yeah. Um, but uh, I was going to say it almost uh, the thing about like the back uh, or the wayfair of, you know, like the, using these codes or whatever the the, the conspiracy theory was. Uh, 
basically it's like the those are that's so much more hoops that people had to dr- go yeah. through when in reality they don't have it's not that difficult like that's way more effort uh which is really sad that they don't have to go putting all these that's codes exactly right in a thing when they can literally go on something use a prepaid phone number you know for some prepaid phone yep. or whatever that they don't care about being tra- yeah, you know like they're using phone, yeah they're using some you know operational security basic stuff like that that so that they don't get wrapped up you know to try to avoid all these things like that um which is just it's, it's sad that they don't have to go through all that trouble i was just pointing it out that yeah i know it was a dumb question so that's okay. no i was gonna ask about it too <laughs> but uh i do know it's it's very very easy guys it's, it's it's way 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 too easy not a lot of hoops just like you said Rosie. so where do you see it moving from you know since the sites like backpage are gone and you have other sites that are on your radar obviously that they obviously don't just disappear where does it go you know i mean do we see this happening in the you know the metaverse <laughs> you know oh, <laughs> yeah. i mean honestly like i don't know anything <laughs> about it so i'm uh, this is an ignorant question but you know well i think i think there's there's a lot of hope in this um because so many people are coming to this fight and the national conversation is changing about whether or not human trafficking networks exist. Mm-hmm. More and more people are studying not only that networks exist, but applying what we know about network resiliency and trying to reverse engineer that so we can attack these networks. Yeah. Um, so I'm very encouraged. Uh, this Human trafficking networks are vulnerable, in my opinion, because they have to do that customer outreach. Yeah. All we have to do as, as a society is start hunting them so they cannot be so blatant and so open. Right now, it's a, it's a high payoff, low risk endeavor. All you have to do is yeah. reliably prevent victim cooperation, and you're going to make a lot of money uh, and, and jurisdiction hop, and you're going to make a lot of money. But um, as we, as a society and as a government and law enforcement start hunting these networks, they can be taken out. And we're going to see some very, very big cases uh, coming very, very soon where, awesome. you know, a massage parlor network that's in more than 25 states, hmm. um, that um, human trafficking alcohol networks that go up and down the East Coast and trace back to Culiacan, in Mexico. Uh, wow. these networks are going to get taken out. They're going to fall because their digital signature is very, very high right now. And when they do things to obscure that, to look like it's just an independent sex worker or to try to make it look like it's not a network, they actually raise their profile by doing those things. Uh, and I, I think it's the only thing that's required is that we shift from hoping for victim cooperation and then requiring it before we move forward and shift that to hunting these networks and, and taking them out using the tools that we have to, to fight organized crime. And I, I've got, you know, it might be naive, but coming from an OSINT background, I, I see a, a chance for the national intelligence community and the law enforcement intelligence community to see human trafficking network data as good intel 
for their non-human trafficking missions. Mm -hmm. So if they do that, what does that accomplish? That accomplishes a shift in focus where every criminal and intelligence analyst in America is looking at the human trafficking networks. It makes it very, very hard to hide Mm -hmm. if everyone is looking at you. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like what they did after 9-11. You know, they started, you had FBI, you had CIA, you had, you know, different, you know, organizations that were beginning to share their information, whereas previously it was in this bucket, in that bucket, in that bucket. And it took pretty aggressive work to be able to get that information and share it. Um, I mean, I don't see why we wouldn't, especially since it seems like what you're well, saying. I mean, that's why 9-11 happened, because the Cause it didn't. drop of the, yeah. Yeah, they weren't sharing the information mm-hmm. we could have Sorry, had. Yeah, yeah no, that's a great point. But it seems like with the fact that that you know it's it's not like you know in our in my mind it, you know it's like you're a human trafficker, you're a drug dealer, you're a terrorist. But the truth is, is they do they cross over a lot, and so since they are crossing over, information sharing is vital. You know, it just makes sense. Like like why. <laughs> Why did it take this long to get to that point, I guess? But, you know. Yeah. Well, you, you've got different you got different mindsets across the mission areas, you know. Um, some some units have got a very, very well tread process by which you get a warrant to go up on a wiretap. And then that's used extensively in their mission area. Maybe it's counter gang, maybe it's counter narcotics, maybe it's both. Um, but, uh, you know, it, IEDs gave us a heck of a run for our money, you know, before we, we spent, you know, 15, 20 years uh, fighting that fight. And then ultimately you have to break down the problem and say, okay, what do they have to do to put an IED that's going to target friendly forces? Well, Somebody's got to make the explosives. Okay, how do they do that? What precursors are they using? Mm-hmm. How do we track those precursors? Okay, they're putting a, you know, an explosively formed penetrator. Where are they getting that? Who's supplying that? Who's bringing it? What can they make it out of? Tracking those materials. Okay, you've got a bomb maker. You've got somebody that digs a hole. You've got somebody that drops it in the hole. Um, all of these different things. You've got command wire. You've got, you know radio um, triggered IEDs. There's countermeasures against that. You've got pressure plate IEDs. They're just waiting for something to come along. All of these different things were, were a huge problem for us when you break the problem down uh, into all of its dependencies in that kill chain, you can break that chain. Mm. Uh, and, and so this way of thinking isn't necessarily how we think in law enforcement um but it's just a matter of cross-pollination it's it's not the law enforcement investigation process is set up to help the prosecutor get a successful conviction in court and make our community safe Mm -hmm. and to protect the innocent that are accused of a crime and that is exactly the way it should be um but but the fact of the matter is that you have to look at our legal system and how it allows us to fight organized crime and then pull the organized crime playbook off the shelf and use it against human trafficking. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that's great. Uh, law enforcement always feels like in, it, that it's more reactionary than it is proactive in like in the hunting aspect. So a lot of times law enforcement gets involved after the fact when the crime and they obviously they have investigators that are, you know, ongoing, but, um, but even getting to the investigation phase, it typically doesn't happen until a crime's been reported or happened, you know? So that makes good sense to me. Yeah, that's, that's totally right. That's totally right. Um, but when you've got a problem as big as this one, you're already after the fact. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What, what would you say the, the money and like, is it, is it in the hundreds of billions of dollars annually for human trafficking? Is it, is it at a trillion dollars? So the number that gets thrown around, um, the most is 150 billion. But uh, wow. there, there's a lot of people that say that that number is not right. Hmm. Uh, so, so I want I want to say that I, I would I would argue that uh, we don't have tremendously good data yeah. uh, about human trafficking, uh, both here in the United States and around the world. We've got some good data on prosecutions that have happened. We've got some data on uh, survivor recovery and rehabilitation, mm-hmm. but data on the prevalence of the problem is difficult because you've got the national call center so they can track the calls that they get. But if you look at the very, very common factor of an uncooperative victim of human trafficking, how do you get numbers around that? How do you get numbers around it when experts in the field say she's probably a trafficking victim and it doesn't go forward because she won't self-identify? I think that we're not going to get good numbers um, until we probably hunt networks for maybe five to 10 years. And then, then we're going to get some good numbers around it. Because if you look at, if you look at even just the illicit massage industry in the United States, Mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, some numbers came out, there was 9,000 illicit massage brothels around the United States. Hmm. The recent numbers that I've seen is 28,000. So that, that is exploding. Yeah. Um, and most law enforcement that I've, I've spoken with said, we don't do those cases. We don't do those cases because they will never cooperate. Uh, mm-hmm. Because if these women are, are brought in from, you know, overseas from Asia, uh, perhaps through legal channels, but under false pretenses, their families are back there. Yeah. Their families are under, under control and under danger. They, they can't. They can't cooperate. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be a language barrier, um, cultural barriers, every, everything else. But ultimately, you, you can't get good numbers around that problem until you start hunting these networks. Man, yeah, that's crazy. That's that. It's so complex. I mean, that much money uh, passing through hands, and it just, um, you know, I had um, there was a film called Twenty Six Seconds that um i had the producer director writer on and um that they call it 26 seconds because every 26 seconds they say there's a, a human trafficking kidnapping um and brought someone's forced into it and um she said that uh that the complexities of it were so great because they the way that they coerce people into the trafficking um and then literally they get them addicted to drugs or they get them 
you know, like you said, they they hold their family hostage in some way, or sometimes it's all of those things. Um, it creates a product that's not willing to, you know, spill the beans or go out and get help because they know that if they do, there's it's going to be tragic. And um, it's just evil, the complexities of it. Um, is it true that that more people are that the drug cartels are moving away from drugs or you know obviously they added human trafficking to it but they were focusing more on human trafficking than they were on drugs in the last couple of years so uh I've, I've got a a vignette uh directly about that so you may have heard of the zetas cartel los mm. zetas yeah um in, in mexico and uh around the world really um the wife of the head of the los zetas cartel was involved in human sex trafficking. Um, and so it was a diversification, a line of business for a very powerful and well-known cartel. Um, and, and that's, that's one example, but you know, we, we see this all the time because you can use the girls for a distribution network. Um, you can, you can sell the same product kind of over and over. Mm -hmm. And if you're in the right market, which is, you know, any city where there's people, and you can you can make sales, then it's it's low risk. It's low risk for you. Yeah. Um, well, especially if you have but, the the law enforcement, like you were saying, your buddy was in Europe and he saw law enforcement were actually negotiating the deal in India. Yeah. Yeah, or in India. I'm sorry. Not well, that yeah, yeah, that was that that was in India, but we're you know international justice mission has been doing amazing work. Uh, overseas on this problem and uh, I want to give them a shout out there's so many people that, that need a shout out but International Justice Mission has been leading the charge on this because they do justice reforms they send their people overseas to actually try to get laws passed and, and the justice system changed so that these these charges can happen and, uh, and go forward and really really awesome awesome people doing the Lord's work yeah. Um, over there, I I think that you know I I don't want this to come across that I'm I'm down on law enforcement because so many law enforcement professionals you know they're in harm's way mm -hmm. uh, you know every single day and the environment that they see is awareness groups are saying why won't you do more about human trafficking human trafficking is taking over our community. And then they roll up on somebody that they're trying to help, and that that person just won't accept it yeah, yeah. at all. They deny everything. They refuse. So that's the world that law enforcement lives in. It's incredibly frustrating and discouraging. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, it's it's really a a thankless job, especially in today's climate. Yeah. So one of the most rewarding things. Uh, for me is, is to be part of some kind of working group or, or training uh, with law enforcement and say, look, we totally see what you're working with. It makes perfect sense that this is a, a failed cycle. What do you guys think about trying it from this other angle? Yeah. And, and to see the excitement, um, you know, come into their eyes and, and, and say, wow, we can take it a different direction. We can kind of, get past some of these frustrating issues yeah i was gonna say i have a couple different points that are all kind of spread out but um 
like w- just kind of like the first one that uh, you you had mentioned, um, <clears throat> kind of like uh, I don't know. It, it it's I don't know if this is more of a question or a, a, an aside or a comment on uh, what you had said, but it's like uh, you know the drug the drug dealers don't have to advertise because the the drug s- sells itself. People are going to find it and they want it, and it's a product. And, um, and even with that, you know, like the, I mean, I guess it's, things are changing and depending on the countries and all the states or the, uh, districts of Columbia or, you know, like (laughs) territory, uh, you know, whatever the term is, uh, principality or (laughs) whatever it is, um, you know, like the, the laws are different on the users themselves. You know, like uh, if I was going to go try to buy some heroin or, I mean, you know, even now if I were to buy some uh, fentanyl and then give it to a friend and he overdosed and died, I could be charged with, uh, you know, some sort of uh, third degree murder, you know, like a charge. I would I could be held liable for more than just like simple possession, right? So the... The drug laws are, you know, changing, uh, especially, you know, with the fentanyl and all this crazy stuff coming out of, you know, the the opiates that are killing everybody. But still, and this is kind of what I was getting at, the, as far as my understanding, um, and again, this might be speaking out of outdated ignorance or lack of information, but like the... The thing with like a, a prostitution or you know going to a massage parlor or something like that is the the what are they called the Johns the guys that are going to you know if they do a sting I'm just you know they go into a massage parlor there's an undercover cop and there's you know five other guys there and there's one dude you know the undercover cop they come in they bust everyone up they're not they don't really care about the guys they're gonna say like hey get out of here you know you know the as far as I know, like getting the services of a prostitute, even a degree, I, I don't know. I'm trying to be the John, the John getting. Yeah. But I mean, like, I mean, anywhere from a massage parlor to like a back page prostitute, you know, like the, the range of that is still not a felony. Basically the guy's not going to jail for you getting, get caught in a hotel well, room. Well, it's a felony in Texas now, guys. It's well, thank God. In Texas. They just changed the law. Great, and it's that's really really fantastic. Uh, I think states are going to follow Texas's example in in cracking down on this to actually start cracking down on the Well, some will. Uh, That's that's the trend. Some won't. Some will legalize it, (laughs) and and say we'll make it go away. Absolutely, yeah. Sex work is real real work and all that stuff. Yeah, but I was going to say that's the sad thing, at least from my perspective, is you can't if. You're not going to stop the flow of something that people are going to get without consequence. Like if there's so little consequence to getting something like that, yeah, then you it, it's hard to cut the. You have to cut the the user to really. It's like marijuana now. You were talking about earlier. Yeah. Like anybody gets busted with marijuana, they they don't even charge them yeah. anymore. They just the cops just throw it away or whatever, and they don't even. Sometimes they don't even do that. Yeah, so it's yeah. crazy. Depends. Um, but this is kind of. Uh, I was interested in maybe you can talk uh, more about this kind of the pivoting more towards the um, not to say that like uh, just just thinking of the uh, the Facebook stupid ad 
or the meta at Facebook ad where they're like, oh, Facebook was invented in 2005 and, you know, the internet regulations haven't been updated. Like Facebook cares about that. But just going with this <laughs> point about uh, uh, that's more tongue in cheek shot at them. But the idea of like uh, uh, a forum web uh, board like Craigslist or Backpage is, you know, kind of old technology that's like 80s you know bbs boards you know back in the day uh that format is just not uh, uh it back yeah showing my nerdiness <laughs> i wasn't even alive in the 80s but <laughs> i, I know about Good. it um but Tech internet yeah i grew up yeah, like i said uh but the what is the like the i think that you know like Basically, I've seen stuff where it's like Twitter is being used, um, and that's kind of even an older technology, so to speak, with this uh, stuff. But uh, I guess the, the question that I'm leading up to is where do you see in the future, like the technology of how these uh, stuff is going? Like I've, you know, just like the memes or not even memes, but like the premium Snapchats or the things like just uh, only only fans, just or yeah, only fans, fans whatever yeah. that is. But these way, like, I see that stuff and I'm like, uh, or these premium Snapchats or things like Venmo, which, you know, can be used to facilitate, you know, the, the money transfer, transfer or, um, you know, it's outside the scope and you're, it, it's more, um, you know, uh, localized between one person and one person where it's harder to scrape that you know, you can't just go in and have, you know, a tool that scrapes all the, the posts. Uh, like, what do you see? Basically, there are parents that listen to the show. Like, what are, you know, things or trends that you are seeing that people should be aware of that, like, um, are being facilitated? Like, I, I'll, I'll shut up after this and I'll let you answer. But <laughs> I remember I was in a college class and we were doing uh, as a analysis the thing and they're they're just talking about they uh there's i can't remember what the tool was uh the professor but it was uh right around he took like a snapshot from um uh super bowl sunday which is like the mm. if i'm not mistaken that's like the biggest human trafficking event even in the city that it's going because so many people are flying in and out and all this stuff and he was showing like just pri uh open uh, Twitter feeds or Instagram feeds uh, taken just in that area where they're like literally talking about offering services of prostitution, you know, that you can just pull off that. Just um, use a hashtag or something. Huh? Yeah. So I guess what do you see in the future of like these kind of stuff or these technologies or the, the way that these guys are, because it seems like the bad guys are always playing the they're the progressive uh things that are like you said police are have typically been like the ones playing catch up so like what do you uh what do you think about the future i'm sorry that was like a real, i'm <laughs> where, really i'm really long going <laughs> where do you see it going like uh what should people be aware of or things like that well, uh, the, the legal question that you put out there, I think is really important. You know, Texas is the one example, but the Trafficking Victims and Protection Reauthorization Act uh, that recently passed actually expanded the civil cause of action hmm. for anyone who directly or indirectly profits from human trafficking. Hmm. 
with knowledge or even constructive knowledge that it was happening. Hmm. So think about that. That's crazy. That puts hotels in the crosshairs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hotels that are getting reviews saying prostitution is happening here, sex trafficking is happening here, you know, one-star reviews. Hotel companies track reviews. That puts them on notice. Somebody gets arrested at a hotel, if the, if, if the police show up at a hotel on a regular basis for this thing, that brand is on notice. Mm-hmm. If trafficking is happening on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, those are American companies. They can, they're going to face civil sex trafficking lawsuits for not stopping this and policing their pro- platform because ultimately they're on some kind of constructive knowledge, if not actual knowledge on this. And they fought that. The tech companies fought that trafficking act quietly but hard hmm. um, in order to not expand that, that civil liability. And there's cases that are developing right now uh, on that. I don't know if you saw the uh, the Twitter case. Um, Lisa Haba, a former prosecutor in Florida, is, is one of the attorneys on this case uh, suing Twitter. Um, the National Center on Sexual Exploitation mm-hmm. is involved in uh, suits against um, MindGeek, you know, yeah. which owns Pornhub. Wow. Um, it's all of these, all of these are happening. So big, big salvos are being fired right now. And so, if you're if you're an average citizen uh, and you care about this, talk to your state legislation legislators about emulating Texas first and foremost. And then, secondly, talk to your talk to your congressman about the Trafficking Victims Protection Act. Say that you want to keep and extend extend what we did the last time that trafficking. Reauthorization Act was passed and expand this uh, civil cause of action because ultimately that is going to put if you if you turn this as an opportunity for former prosecutors to become plaintiff attorneys and fight trafficking on behalf of survivors of human trafficking to get some kind of redress for them money talks mm-hmm. I mean that's the way our society works and and holding people accountable makes a difference. So I, I see a lot of hope in that. Um, on the on the tech side, kind of where things are going, uh, a lot of these websites uh, post Backpage are going offshore. Mm. So they're not going to be responsive to subpoenas. They're being hosted out of China. They're being hosted, you know, out of various places mm. overseas where where we can't subpoena them. And so that that's kind of a carryover from the Backpage days where it was look at a random ad. Um, think that it's something is going on with it. And then you send a subpoena to a U.S. based company, you get the IP address and then you go knock on the door. So that whole template is gone now because Mm -hmm. these sites are not based in the U.S. and that Mm -hmm. that, kind of hurt uh, some investigative activity. But I'm I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful because of uh, the movements that are are going uh, against major profit centers of of human trafficking. And uh, I think the big tech companies are going to be forced to stop allowing this to happen and, and to, to take action. Yeah. So I have two, two things. Um, the first one is, is there anything that is available for the person who's being trafficked where they can anonymously um, turn in someone or, you know, I know if, like, 
I don't how do I desc- I don't know how to describe it. Is there a safe way for someone that's in danger to be able to exit out of that life and with cooperation of law enforcement? Yes, absolutely. So the trafficking helpline. I'm going to give the number uh, for all of our our podcast uh, listeners. Cool. National Human Trafficking Hotline is 1-888-373-7888. And uh, in SMS, this is is going to be more for uh, victims uh, that that need to get out. Text help or info to 233733. Okay. That's awesome. No, that's cool. Yeah. I didn't even know something like that even existed. That's really cool. Um, so yeah. this, the second thing I wanted to bring up is you and I on our phone conversation the first time we ever spoke, um, you just had a real burden that was on your heart as a believer. And um, I wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of um, just op- you know, share your heart on – some of these things. And, um, obviously this is, you, you had mentioned, you know, the international justice mission, you know, doing the Lord's work. Well, this is biblical. I mean, what you're doing, fighting justice for those that are wrongfully being held captive, um, you know, that is the Lord's work. He is the Mm -hmm. one who has, you know, set the captives free, you know, by his work on the cross. But tell me a little bit about what was on your heart regarding your relationship with the Lord and, and some of what you're doing. Amen. Um, well, uh, Turner, I even asked you, I said, hold me to it. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> um, well, so th- this has been a, uh, a tremendous blessing and a tremendous struggle. Um, because, you know, as we're trying to get this, this company off the ground, um, you know, founders, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed with to have a partner, uh, Noel Thomas, who's um, a, a godly Christian brother, and we start every day uh, with prayer um, and and pray through the problems of the business. And uh, we came to that because it was you, you run into problems that are, are very very difficult because in a secular startup world. They say you have to be fully confident and paranoid at all times. (laughs) Because if you're not paranoid, you're going to miss something. And if you're not confident, you're not going to be able to move forward. And that doesn't work, guys. (laughs) (laughs) That's a terrible way to live. And uh, pride and fear. Um, where fear that it's not going to work out, but pride that I know my way is the best way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you're just going to have a lot of conflict and you're not going to make a lot of progress. You're not going to learn very quickly, which is what you need to do in the in startup world. And so replacing that pride and fear with um, confidence that God's end state, God's mission is going to be successful um, confidence in the team and the calling and humility that, you know, about my opinion on a particular topic. Um, almost like 
I, I believe that as we obey God, we're going to be successful in this. But I'm, I am humble in that I don't necessarily think that I have all the answers, but I think that we can find the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that just completely re- uh, revolutionized the way uh, we thought about this. Um, just, uh, you know, anybody that wants to really see where they are in sanctification, <laughs> you know, start, start a small business uh, project <laughs> with, a, with a Christian brother and, uh, and, and it'll be a great, great reality check of, of where you are and how you're doing. Um, and I just, the, the only thing that keeps us going is the miracles that, that God does every week on the team where, mm-hmm. you know, we get access to something or we, we get a vision on how to communicate something that's, that comes across, uh, effectively or, um, getting ready to run out of money and then a contract closes, mm-hmm. uh, so, something like that. It's just been amazing through this process to kind of, see the Lord work and his, his mercy and grace in, in dealing with us. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't think I've ever prayed harder <laughs> than, uh, than, than since being in this. And I think that, um, God has called us to be a, a voice for, the, the people that are trapped, but also an answer mm-hmm. to the trafficker who says, God doesn't see. Yeah. Yeah. And I can keep doing this. And, uh, he does see and he does care and he does weep, but he, uh, is, is going to do something about it. He's going to bring healing, but he's also going to bring justice. And as the Lord wills, we're going to be a part of that justice. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you have a verse for your company, <laughs> but when you were talking, the Lord reminded me of a verse out of Proverbs, Proverbs twenty four eleven, and it just says, rescue those who are being taken away to death, hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. And, uh, you know, hunting down those that are... Uh, Keeping people in trafficking is kind of a fulfillment of that, <laughs> you know, rescuing those who are being led to death. Hey, Amen. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Well, you can use it. <laughs> <laughs> I I do have. Uh, I want to look up this psalm. It's probably better than what I just shared. <laughs> No, no, I, I love it. Will but... be. <laughs> 100% will be. There. No, 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 no. That is that's that is right. That is right on point. Um, but it is still one of my favorite. You know, Psalm 18, um, which which starts, "I love you, O Lord, my strength." Um, and he goes on and talks about. <laughs> crying out to God when things are not going well. And then you fast forward, uh, getting down into, uh, verse, let's see here. It says, 
for by you, I can run against the troop. By my God, I can mm. leap over a wall. Um, it teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. Uh, and then uh, verse 37, I pursued my enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed. That is awesome. It, I beat them as fine as dust before the wind. <laughs> Cast them out like dirt in the streets. I love David. He just goes on a tear. Yeah. He goes on a tear. So, I, I, you know, I hesitated there because it's hard for me to pull uh, one verse out of Psalm 18. Because <laughs> the, whole, the whole thing is awesome. The whole thing is awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean. But Proverbs 24, 11. I'm going to keep that. Yeah, that's cool. You know, God's justice that in these things is is designed by Him to bring terror to the one that is who inflicting the injustice. Um, and so, whether that comes through the hand of law enforcement or whether it comes through utter conviction from the Holy Spirit in the life of someone who's you know oppressing people, uh, either way, that God can get the task done he's <laughs> yeah. he's not limited on uh, resources that's for sure so that's right yeah i was gonna say um you know much in the same way kind of just maybe throwing my own version of what you guys were saying already but uh yeah i, I was thinking just in a very practical sense to um listeners or people who might hear this is you know, uh, I'm not going to get into the whole apologetic theological debate of, well, you know, if God really cared about these victims, why wouldn't he just like end it immediately and have all the people die? Like, I'm not getting into all that. Right. But much in the same way of like what you guys have said is um, the uh, God is using people to carry out this work and they are being successful, like you had said, you know, just um, – I mean, f from the, uh, you know, f f patrol officer who's, you know, coming across, you know, a victim or, you know, uh, to, you know, the lawyers that are going against these big tech companies that MindGeek one was huge. And, uh, you know, just uh, we didn't even touch it. You know, we didn't even talk about the, the whole crossover with pornography and the, the sex trafficking and all of that, which is just. I mean, we talk for hours about, you know, all that stuff. Um, but, you know, the lawyers that are bringing that and, you know, the people, uh, I was going to say, um, I, I am a, uh, we, we talked before and after the show, and I think anyone who's been listening this long knows I'm like a research nerd. I'm, you know, a data guy. I, that's, my brain works this way. And um, so I was going to say, you know, I, I think, I, I throw you guys into that, that, that same thing of, you know, um, you're like in, I love how you're talking about the humility because, uh, it, it, uh, I'm sure, you know, it's not as glamorous. Um, you know, you're talking about being in Afghanistan at the same time, you know, zero dark 30 was, I think, uh, obviously I know nothing about how it went down. So I'm taking that with, a <laughs> as I'm taking that as, <laughs> pretty accurate i love that movie yeah okay well then... i'm just gonna say that's how it was <laughs> you know, i have no idea but sure uh but i was gonna say that was like a really great thing because it, it didn't you know like seal team six obviously they were the ones that kicked down the door and they were the ones that you know took the shots um 
and they kind of get all the glory Re- reserve it uh, uh deservedly so yeah. not reservedly so <laughs> deservedly so you know the the they you know that but um you know the the quiet intel people you know that the woman or whoever the real person was if probably wasn't a, you know whatever it was it probably was a woman but it wasn't her name it didn't look like uh whatever the actress's name was or what she looked like i'm sure of that but uh you know like you guys are doing the the the, the super valuable intel work that uh uncovering these networks is uh, i think it, it should not be understated how important uh you know the unraveling of this network is you know people see the you know the in between you know like the beginning and the end and you guys are doing the really important grunt work that i would say is i think it's maybe this is not my go-to term what i was going to say is not the most sexiest but that probably isn't the best uh <laughs> the, the best way to describe <laughs> intelligence uh <laughs> trying to uncover a sex, sex trafficking rings but uh um you know, it's not the most glamorous maybe to, you know, like an action movie or that way to so, but it's, it's so important. And so this is a long way to the, uh, in my rambling of, uh, you know, so to listeners, you know, pray for that God will end this ultimate. That would, that'd be the, the right. best thing yeah. is that he, if he did, could snap his finger, you know, whatever, but also to pray for like everybody that's actively doing the part because people, you know, like you guys are doing the Lord's work to do what you can and you know uh he's working through you like so i would you know point to you guys as one of these groups that it's just like god is going after this you know what i mean like god is doing his thing he is working on eradicating this thing um you know so you know just pray people that the people that may not be you know the they may not be thinking about all these other people like you guys that are doing all this work that people don't comprehend uh, the stuff that goes behind the behind the scenes work. And, um, you know, just pray for all, like you said, the law enforcement that uh, because it, I, I can't imagine how frustrating it is, you know, working, digging this beat or only to have some, you know, girl say, you know, I'm not being uh, sex trafficked. When, you know, the person saying, you know, if I'm a cop it's and clear. you're saying, yeah, it's clear. Yeah. and she knows that she's lying, I know she's lying and she's going to walk back out and go right back into doing what she's doing. And I, I, there's no consequence to doing it. So, yeah, I just yeah. It kind of as a thing that God is doing it in ways that we don't see. And I hope, uh, you know, you shed so much light in, um, you know, what, what goes on behind the scenes that people, uh, the average person I think don't, doesn't know anything about, you know, all the stuff we had talked about, all the stuff you guys do. So, yeah. Oh, thank you. You're like the, uh, what's the guy on, in the 007, the Basil, the guy that invents all the, does all the Q. Q yeah. No, Q. A, is it M or Q? Q. Is, yeah, Q. <laughs> yeah. Q. You guys are the Q of the, uh, <laughs> doing all that work behind the scenes, but um making it happen making sure it could happen that's right yeah um so is is there a a place that people can find you i mean do you want is it okay if i send them to your website uh is that you know for more information yeah absolutely okay so yeah so uh www.zerotrafficking.com um that's our website uh and it 
it's a, it's a way to, you know, if you're law enforcement or Intel or anything like that, you can reach out to us for a training program or, or services or the data that we can provide. Those are, those are the main ways that we help. And if you're part of a nonprofit and you have direct contact uh, with victims, or if you're looking in your community and saying, you know, I just I want to have a better picture of, uh, of the human trafficking networks that are in my community where I'm trying to raise awareness. We've, we've worked with nonprofits on that, too. Cool. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Well, Samuel, this has been really cool. And I just appreciate the work you're doing. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. And, I, you know, I appreciate everything that you, you have mm-hmm. done already. And, um, man, we just wish you the best going forward. Uh, pray for some big breaks and uh, some things to come open, and we can, you know, in the next in the next year, have um, see some people uh, set free and some people put behind bars. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, awesome. That would be the best, wouldn't hey, it? Amen. I appreciate the prayers. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. Well, uh, we're going to put those numbers, too, in our show notes for anyone who maybe uh, is listening to this that's human traffic being fe- that is in that position. You can call the hotline or the text number. We'll put those in the show notes. I really appreciate you giving us those. But uh, is there anything you want to s- sign off with or any last thing you want to share? Well, I just I really appreciate the opportunity to come on here. Uh, this is obviously a very, very important issue and uh it, it, there's too many people working this and doing excellent work to list them all yeah but uh thank you to everyone uh working in this space whether you're on the detection side whether you're on the law enforcement side whether you're on the so important uh rehabilitation side and yeah. reintegration side just keep up the good work um don't give up don't quit uh people need you thank you yeah man yeah, Amen. well, thank you. Hey, stay on, but we're going to sign off, but I need to talk to you off after we're uh, done here, so don't don't hang up on us. But We're going to say goodbye anyway. Yeah, we're <laughs> going to say goodbye. Say, <laughs> so thanks for listening to another episode, guys. Yeah, uh, go check out zerotrafficking.com, and uh, we'll catch you next time. See you. Right. See you. <laughs>